0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Ron Johnson is Minnesota Sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every day. Every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. (sighs)
2: <sighs> well I'm wearing all black today. Welcome to the Ron Johnson show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson, and I'm wearing black because I I feel, like, I feel like somebody died. Like when you watch the Timberwolves, and I'm just gonna bring Sam Extram in the show right away. Um Sam, I mean you're you're dressed like you're going to a party. You look good. Um you, well, thank you look you. like you're you're dressed to impress your wife for a Friday night dinner. Me, I, I, you know, if I could put my hoodie up, I'd put my hoodie on. I'd keep my face covered. Um, you just don't want to walk around the world right now as a Timberwolves fan. This is the tough thing about last night, Sam, for me. The start of the game was awesome. It's awesome. Great start. Chris Finch calls timeout. Fast forward, and then they're up again. Big Chris Finch, another timeout. What I started to notice, Sam, and this is, this is what did it for me. What I started to notice was a coach who basically understood the assignment. He understood what to do in key moments of the game. He understood that you look at John Morant and what was going on, the early foul trouble. And we talked about this yesterday. We talked about if Carl Anthony Towns ends up in foul trouble, what do you do? I said flagrant too because I felt like I I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm not. This is not one of my predictions. But I felt like if it was going to happen, they need to learn how to play without him. I completely, I will admit, I was wrong about the Grizzlies. They learned to play without John Morant in the season. And I think that was the key last night. They've had to play without job before. They've won games and done really well when he was out completely. So when he was in early foul trouble and they had to sit him for a little bit, there was no panic in the team. Like the Suns, I think they're going to panic a little bit. We'll see if Chris Paul can kind of keep it together. But there was no panic in the Grizzlies. Like I think we all, not we all, me, but a lot of people, question the youth, second youngest team in the NBA. We question that. Timberwolves, though, six youngest team in the NBA and a young coach or new coach. When you think about the 47 to 21, Chris Finch uses another timeout. Or, no, sorry, not Chris Finch. Um, The uh, Grizzlies coach uses a timeout. Yep. So he used an early timeout. He used a timeout at 47 to 21. After 47 to 21, this is where you kind of felt it taking a turn so this is the thing about timeouts you have to keep using them until you feel like your team is mentally in or they're doing what they're supposed to do after that timeout you had jaron jackson get an am one after anthony edwards fires up a three for no reason he could have drove to the hole he fired it up early and then Nas reed takes a three-point shot and misses 34 percent free three-point shooter on the season yes he's 66 percent in the playoffs but it doesn't matter you don't you're not the guy you're not that guy you don't throw up a three right now we're up i get it we're up and it's like that that's what happens in pickup basketball guys get up 11 to 1 playing the 17 or playing the 13 and random guys on your team that aren't good that did not get you that lead start taking shots they shouldn't take that's what that's what started happening some ill-advised shots some lackadaisical plays then 47 28 timberwolves miss their last five shots at that point, they had missed five shots, forty-seven to twenty-eight. Well, then we know what happens. the The Grizzlies claw back. They go to the second half. They get another lead. I think it was like sixty-two to eighty-three. And then all of a sudden, it's eighty-six to eighty-five with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. At no point did Chris Finch think to call a timeout to slow his guys down, to slow the other team down, to talk them through, and say, "Hey." We need to just burn some clock. We need to take some shots within the last, like, you know, Kevin Durant, that thing, ISO ball, Anthony Edwards, force them to do something or whoever's hot. I mean, Anthony Edwards was moving the ball well. You had, um, I mean, this was a game where I've said D'Angelo Russell was actually going, going for his. Pat Beverly early on was absolutely a menace on the offensive side. And then it kind of disappeared, I guess you'll say. I mean, when you look at down the stretch, to finish with 14 points, to me, that's not enough shots. That's not enough. Like, they were they were kind of giving him, like, if somebody's going to beat us, let's let Pat Bev beat us. He was doing it early. Like, he was getting it done. A little bit too much celebration with the little, you know, I know that's his thing, over-celebrate, makes a dunk. He's tapping the top of his head like he dunked on somebody. For me, I, I just don't understand. Charles Barkley saying they were a dumb team. Like, he, he roasted them. They're a dumb team. They're this. That's probably why. Like, there were some ill-advised things that happened. If you're up that big, you slow the game down in the third quarter. You take the air out the stadium and out the ball. You slow it down. They have a 20-point deficit. I mean, I I didn't do the math, and I should have. But if you take it down to 24 seconds, and they then have to come down and spend another 12 to 15 seconds, you're talking about 40-ish seconds for them to beat you or at least come back.
1: But if you're trying to limit them to one possession per minute, like if you just hold on to the ball and just reduce the number of possessions, it was going to be hard for them to catch up. And by the way, the Timberwolves are still allowed to score in right. that stretch too. It 21-0 run, Ron. I mean, I'm sick to my stomach still the day after. Um I've not recovered from this. But Chris Finch doesn't call timeout and And I think that's egregious, honestly, like a little bit of coaching malpractice there, because what do you do if you're getting a 21-0 run against you? You need to start attacking again. The Timberwolves were hunting threes. Um, They were doing heat checks. Like early on, they they were not judicious at all about their shot selection. I mean, they felt like we've got this in the bag. We're just going to go for these bombs, try to get the crowd revved up. Well, then the lead starts shrinking and they kept hunting the threes. You know what I need in those situations? I need Edwards to be the alpha dog. Correct. Too much on ball. Beverly Beverly was, was dribble driving way too much for my taste. Cat was in over his head. I need Edwards to stabilize in those moments because Vanderbilt's not going to score for you. McDaniels is not going to score for you. And I think we're seeing that even though the wolves have a nice core, kind of a big three plus Beasley, They don't have the depth like the Grizzlies. You can get support from Jackson, Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones. That's aside from John Morant. There's just a lot of guys, uh, Brandon Clark. A lot of guys can give you a lift. The Timberwolves don't have that many guys that can really give them that lift. So I need Edwards to be that guy. Um, And I didn't feel like he really ever wanted to take control to stabilize that team. Russell was the only one who had his head on straight, I felt like, and that wasn't enough.
2: Yeah, and here you go. This is the thing. John Morant only had 16 points. So when you when I always talk about you got to match star for star, well, their star that night was Desmond Bain. He was feeling it. John Morant wasn't in as much. Desmond Bain got going just like he's done when John Morant didn't play him and Dylan Brooks. But third quarter, 47 seconds to go, 62 to 83. You're up 21. Fourth quarter, 656. 86 to 85 so my point is you could take off about six minutes six to seven minutes of time in the game with nothing scored on your end and them hitting all twos the likelihood of you missing 10 shots now they didn't miss five so it could happen but the likelihood of them missing 10 shots the grizzlies exactly getting it down to 15 seconds forcing the issue them making every shot it's, it's, it's highly unlikely. That's why when you're up 21, you should go into the fourth quarter. So with 47 seconds, there should only be one shot in there. They get one shot. You get one shot. That's 48 seconds. So going into the fourth quarter, you should either be da- or sorry up by 23 or down by about 17 to 18. That's it. Like you take the air out of the game. So then when the fourth quarter starts and you have this huge 20 point or 18 point lead, now you can do the same thing. You can slow it down and force them to be over, like overdo it because when the coach knows, okay, hey, they're not trying to score right now. They're not trying to push it. They are trying to take the air out of the stadium. We have to push the tempo slow them down, make them upset, make them use timeouts when they don't want to, go into the, you know, make it, like you said, Anthony Edwards, step up, take the ball to the hole, force them to call a foul. Carl Anthony Towns, get in there. But again, cat and fouls. Like, that's the problem. He had more fouls than he had shots on goal. Like, that can't happen. That's the problem is when you're the last three, the play-in game, the other playoff game before that when they uh, lost, and then this past playoff game, he had more fouls in all three in big moments than he did shots on goal. That cannot happen. That can't happen next game. If that happens again, they're going to lose. And now the Grizzlies kind of feel it. They're feeling confident. They're tweeting out. Like they're they're making a mockery of what's going on. John Morant went straight to Twitter after the game. And that's a problem. But coming up next, we'll have my friend JT Brown, NHL former pro, Now works for the Seattle Kraken, and the Kraken we know are playing the wild today. So, this should be a good one. Stick around. Coming up next. Welcome back to the Ron Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. And of course, joining us is JT Brown. Dad was a former Viking. I think he went to Eastview High School, if I'm not mistaken. And so, for those that remember his dad back in the old days with the Vikings running back, JT took another route. He went to the ice. JT made a great career playing hockey but now he works with seattle kraken he's a color commentary analyst jt let's jump into this man the kraken and the expansion team struggling at the bottom how like how do they improve like i mean i know they have i've been told they have five sam told me they have five wild players or four wild players or so ryan donato victor rass marcus Johansson, and uh carson susie so you have all those former wild players on the team. Is that going to be the, the the recipe? They need to grab some more wild players because we know Fiala might be out there um, eventually. Is that going to be the recipe or, you know, is this just the early team hasn't
0: really jailed yet? Well, first, thanks for having me on. And I'll go just a quick correction. Rosemount right next to East. Oh, Field. Rosemount. Okay. Okay. I, I I couldn't let that one slide. I had to say, <laughs> I had to say Rosemount, you know, East Field, little battles back and forth, but uh, you know, as, as we're talking about the Seattle Kraken, obviously, you know, you'd like to be at a, a better position than where uh, they are. But if you look at the the tail of the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, they've definitely made, you know, some strides and improvements, you know, post uh, trade deadline. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is building for the future. And yes, there's a couple of guys who have played for uh, the Wild on the team, but you know in this in this moment i think if you're just looking at their roster uh it's built for more of the future uh, if you look at all of the draft picks that they were able to to pick up especially trading guys away uh at the deadline whether that's giordano uh Yarncroke, you had Johansson you know, was traded at the deadline too there was multiple pieces moved and looking at i believe it's 33 uh, picks in the next three years so they're definitely building there's options for them moving forward but again, I think it's a little bit of a fairy tale, right? Because Vegas, when they came in, they made it all the way to the to the finals, and it it just wasn't in the cards this year. I think it's definitely a little bit too uh, it'd be a little bit too much if that was the case again. So a little bit dif- more difficult for the Kraken this year. But overall, you know, you have to look at it at least from my eyes. I'm looking at what they did and where the improvements came. Maybe the record doesn't show it all the time, but you know, they've made definite strides and improvements going into the second half of the season, especially after the trade deadline.
2: Yeah. I mean, you grew up in a state of hockey, so we know hockey in Minnesota is huge. I'm from Detroit. So I had to learn that the only hockey I knew was the mighty ducks. That's my go-to for hockey references. Um, but when you look at the wild fans, cause this is a state of hockey and then you look at the Seattle Kraken fans, what's been the big difference you've noticed? Cause you played here, but then you've been in that stadium now working, uh, what's, what's kind of been the difference?
0: You know, Seattle does have a, a very passionate fan base. You know, regardless, I mean, you look at the Seahawks, Mariners, Sounders, uh, the Storm. There's, they have a great fan base in Seattle. Not to knock anything, Minnesota, obviously, their hockey fan base is very, very knowledgeable and and maybe outspoken sometimes at times uh, <laughs> on Twitter about you know what's going on with the hockey teams. But you know, I think it's it's a learning process too for some in Seattle, not for everybody, but. That's one of the interesting things that you know we've been able to do in our broadcast is you know try to educate a little bit more on hockey where it's not as familiar as say in Minnesota, um but at the same time not try to overdo it for the fans who do know hockey and already understand you know the little nuances. So just trying to find that line you know within our broadcast to be able to educate but not just dumb it down to the point where we're saying, Hey, the red line's red, the blue line's blue. This is that, you know, so you have to have a little bit of a, just find that right balance of trying to educate and do that as well. But Seattle has been awesome. Uh, The new building is spectacular. You know, you have to make a trip out to Seattle one of these days, just to see it. Uh, They did a really good job with it. And, you know, we're spoiled. I mean, we have a, a great view from the, from press road, but there's not a bad seat in the house. But again, it'll be fun to be, you know, inside Exile Energy Center again uh, tonight and, you know, get to hear the fans in Minnesota as well.
2: Yeah, I'll have to do that. Piper Shaw, I don't know what she did for the Kraken, but she was there at one point. Um, I did some stuff with her with Fox. And so I did say at some point my and my best friend, his wife, is from there. So we've been talking about taking the kids out there. And, you know, sports now when we travel has kind of been a thing. You know, we were in Orlando. We checked out a softball game at UCF. Uh, we were in Phoenix. We went to the Suns game. So. You know, I'm have to throw that one on the list of things to do because my kids haven't done a hockey game yet. So that'll that might be uh not sure because now playoffs coming up, not sure if we'll be able to get them into a wild game. But I know that's uh next up. But when we're talking about um, you y- you mentioned hockey Twitter. <laughs> How is the wild Twitter fans <laughs> compared to the Kraken Twitter fans?
0: Uh, well, it's a little bit different. Uh, as a as a player, you know, you probably get a little bit more. You know, you have a bad game the. It might come after you a little bit more you make a turnover you, you have a bad uh play on a goal uh the fans definitely a little bit more i guess at you but at, at this time i think you know from from a broadcast perspective it's been good um you know the twitter is it's maybe a little bit less not uh as much as when you're playing at least from mm-hmm. what i can see but at the same time it's been good i wouldn't say it's been bad there's been a lot of positive uh, uh notes whether it's on You know, whatever the outfit I wore or something we said on the the broadcast, a lot of it's been it's been positive for us uh, in Seattle.
2: And from a player standpoint, so are the Seattle fans nicer
0: than the wild fans? When it comes to Twitter? maybe i mean but there's, there's nice fans everywhere right like there's, it's always the one loud one right that always tweets at you every time you made a mistake or every right. time you do this uh you know you still see that uh with no matter what sports team you, you follow there's going to be the one loud one that uh, is always you know creating the i guess the negativity online
2: yeah and looking at the so let's, let's put your overall analyst hat on uh 26 wins to get into the playoffs you're probably gonna have to get over 40 wins for the Kraken next year it, it looks like everybody's kind of in that 40 win that's what everybody's shooting for to kind of clinch and get in the playoffs so when you're thinking about the wild in the playoffs now because you'll be a you know soon enough you'll be watching as a fan um the the, the goalie or goaltender conundrum i guess you'll call it you got flurry and you have cam talbot if you are the coach what do you do? Do you put the guy that's been in the pipes before, or do you bring in the guy that you said kind of has the experience? We needed an extra guy to make sure we can keep a hot hand on the goal. What, like, what would you do? Would you go with the old hand or the new
0: hand? You know, I would. I would use these last few games, and for me, it'd be whoever's playing the best at that time. Um, okay. You look at it, but then you also have a shorter leash, right? You can go to your your other goalie quicker than maybe in, a, in another series because you have two legitimate goalies that are are ready and that can play in this position or can live up to the spotlight. So for me, it'd be, you know, you're looking at the last few games of the season, you look at who's played the best over that span, but you also have the opportunity in, you know, Minnesota's case to, let's say the first game doesn't go the way you want, or the second game where maybe, you know, it's not going, not playing up to where you think it is. Well, you have another guy ready to go. So you're, you have a benefit in that. Yes, you have a little bit of a, more of a sticky situation trying to figure out who you want to play right at the start but you can go back to the other guy quickly or a little more quickly than maybe a team that's been riding you know their main starter and their backup didn't play very much during the year you have two pretty solid goaltenders in minnesota so they have it's a good thing and a bad thing obviously looking at the first part a hard decision but for me i just go with the hot hand
2: yeah and if you're looking at the wild and the blues right now they're fighting for home ice advantage so this cracking game is actually, you know, these next, like you said, these next few are important. What, what does Seattle have to do to win this game?
0: You know, I think the big thing would be, one, you got to stay out of the box. Uh, that's an easy one, right? Penalties. Uh, it's hard to play when you're on the penalty kill. Seattle's been good on the penalty kill as of late. But if you take too many penalties, that just takes away from your offense as well. But I think the biggest thing for Seattle is starting on time. And, you know, let's getting out to the, not necessarily getting a lead or, you know, scoring in the beginning of the game, but just showing up on time. You can't get in yourself into a hole. Seattle hasn't shown enough times throughout the year to have enough scoring to come back in a lot of games. So they need to play from the, from the start. And I think that's where sometimes they get into, they've got themselves into a little trouble is, you know, you get down a couple goals early in the first, and now you're playing with, you know, you haven't won as many games. You don't have as the 30 goal score, the 30, um, 60 to hundred. I mean, how many people have hundred points right now in the NHL? That's not on Seattle's roster, so mm-hmm. you have to kind of work as a committee and work together. And it all comes from, you know, not starting from behind. And if you look at uh, the record, it's not very good when you you're down after one, definitely not good down after two for Seattle. So I think you have to play to your strengths and just continue to outwork teams. going to be a hard task. Uh, Minnesota is definitely a hardworking club as well has the skill and, and the goaltending. So I think, again, you just have to play within your structure, within your game and, and try to start on time.
2: And last one, you, you've always been an advocate for minorities in hockey. It's an expensive sport. I grew up in Detroit. We didn't play it in Detroit, at least in my high school, you know, we did in the city of Detroit, we don't have a city hockey team. It's the suburban teams that have them. Um, What, what's that been like now, continuing in that trying to get more minorities to to get into the sport of hockey, you know, being able to help pay for things that they can't afford to do to get on the ice.
0: I mean, it's been good. And I think that's one of the, the big draws for Seattle as a, as a club and organization, you know, wanting to, you know, switch over into this role, retire and become you know part of this team, you know, on, on the other side, but you know, just their commitment to, um, diversity, whether that's, you know, growing the game in Seattle or, You know, having a a person like myself on the TV side, or Everett FitzHugh, who we were able to call, you know, the first all-black television broadcast for an NHL team. Um, I think that just we go around our office in Seattle, and you see so many different, uh, you know, backgrounds, women involved. There's just so much. It's a melting pot of people coming in, and I think that was a big part for me. But that's always going to be on the forefront of, uh, you know, my mind, obviously as a player, the biggest thing was trying to get people to play. And, you know, now I get to see the other side and how many other opportunities within the game of hockey, even if it's not playing right. Like Mm -hmm. there's, yes we want everybody to be able to play and get it to the highest level at some point but there's great opportunities whether it's broadcast it's marketing it's social there's so many different areas within the game so now my scope has gone from just hockey to kind of how do we incorporate everything and get more people you know of different backgrounds you know excited about this game of hockey and you know that's been a fun thing for me to kind of see both sides of it now
2: yeah well, I want to appreciate it. I want to thank you, JT, for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Good luck tonight on the call. Everybody, please go follow JT on Twitter if you like. Be nice now. He's not playing for the Wild. He's just a hockey fan, and he's a worker of the Seattle Kraken. Big time at that. Uh, that's, that'll do it for JT and Ron on the Ron Johnson Show. Up next, the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. Welcome back to the Ron Johnson Show, and now it's time for the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. Take it away, Sam. The Wolves
1: are back in the playoffs, Ron. So I think we're seeing what that fan base can be at its best. Obviously, the Wild are red hot. Those fans are on fire as well. So we really get a good comparison between the two after the Wolves have been down in the dumps for so long. Uh, Which fan base are you taking, the Wild or the Wolves?
2: Well, the Wild fans have not been let down yet. I, don't, I hope not at all. Like, they haven't been let down. If they can clinch home ice, that'll help them out as well. But they haven't been let down the way the Timberwolves fans have been. Um, the Timberwolves fans, it was great to see the start of the game uh, where the fans did exactly what DeAndre Russell would ask were all in the season. Stand up until we make our first basket. Grizzlies. Now, imagine being a Grizzlies fan and you had to stand up until they made their first basket. They, it was like 8 nothing. Or eleven nothing actually, or twelve nothing. It was twelve nothing before they got their first basket. So that you'd have been on your feet a long time. Um, even the people sitting on the bench side, on you know, on the court, they were sitting. I don't know if they were Grizzlies fans because they were right on bench, you know, floor seats or what, but they should have been standing as well. Um, I'm gonna give it to the Wild fans because I I, I just want to see what the Timberwolves fans are gonna look like in this next game. Are they gonna come in there defeat? It? Everybody was there early. People were there for warm-ups. warmups. Um, the, the atmosphere was great early. Carl Anthony Towns drank the Kool-Aid too fast with his comment about, oh, we're we're in Minnesota now. Like, and then J, J- threw it right back in his face on Twitter. Like, you gotta, you gotta slow down. Like they, I, I, am starting to like the Lavelle Enil in me is coming out. Like they're starting to celebrate some stuff way too soon. Energy and momentum is key, but you gotta chill out until you win. Rest, relax, like after you win, then say, yeah, I told y'all we have Minnesota now, and then carry that that into game four. Well, now you just blew two 20-point leads, and now you have to show up and try to muster up the energy. The Grizzlies, if they're down 30, they're not phased right now. They know the Timberwolves can give it back to them in bunches. And so I'm gonna go with the Wild fans. I think the Wild fans right now are just gonna be a little bit more energized, and they're just gonna be in the moment a little bit more. I, I, but that's just me. That's me heartbroken one night after, one day after the loss, uh, you know, a huge loss like that. Like I was, again, the whole time I'm like, man, if you have this big of a lead, it's their game, it's over. And then I'm like, what is going on? So, uh, yeah, I'm going with the Wild fans.
1: Yeah, I'd go Wild too. I think that there's a very passionate Wolves fan base and they've been in hibernation for like 20 years. And uh, I think that place is is rocking when it's good, but also it takes a lot to sell out that building Yeah, and the wild sell out pretty much every game and they have mm-hmm. for many years. So I, I think that there's still a better foundation with that wild team. And they've also given the fans way more to cheer about. So I totally get it. Uh, next question, Chet Holmgren from Minnehaha Academy. And of course Mm -hmm. the Gonzaga Bulldogs, he is going to the NBA after one year at Gonzaga. How is Chet going to translate to the national basketball association?
2: Well, I mean, you look at today's NBA, he's not going to be a banger. Like we know that he's going to be a seven foot unicorn. Um, he's going to have to develop a three, like he can shoot it. But he's not like – it's not the thing where people are scared when he gets the ball at the top of the key. You know, he, he's not – I mean, and Carl Anthony Towns doesn't do that either, but he he makes the shots. But he's not the biggest, greatest big-man shooter in the history of the NBA. Like, Chet, in my opinion, is going to be a slasher. He's long. He can handle the ball. Not like KD, but he can handle the ball. Um, I, I see him having to go to a team like a Warriors, a team that's going to move the ball, a team that doesn't require a post player – Uh, a team that can use his size. Uh, Because when you have three shooters like Jordan Poole, uh, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, and you have Draymond Green as your bully, you throw Chet in there, and not say he's going to go to the Warriors, they don't have a high enough pick, but you throw Chet in there, and he's able to just have space because those guys require a ton of people at the top. Same with the pick and roll at the top of the key. The guy is going to help Steph. Like he's gonna help his defender with Steph, which leaves Chet to to dive and dish, or dive and dunk, or dive and then pop and shoot. So I see him having to go to a team like that. Like I don't see him being on the Spurs. Like he he can't be in a set offense where he's back to the basket, um, you know, or having a you know be a specific Tim Duncan, you know, uh David Robinson type of player. Um, I, I just don't see that fitting his game. He needs to go to a team like the Nets. That spread it out and they you know iso ball it uh um, a team like the celtics that move the ball a lot and it's kick 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 until somebody gets it drive and go um but yeah i, I can see him being successful i'm not i don't know how soon because again there is always that poor Zingas. like poor Zingas was good for a while and then injury set in um and so how how can he get going and stay sustainable in the nba that's going to be the question but um, you see Jalen Suggs kind of got in right away, and he's doing well. Um, Tyus Jones found a niche uh, right now with the Grizzlies. He's coming in, you know, hitting big buckets and getting big minutes up there. Um, Trey Jones is not as big of a of a, of a player with the uh, Spurs, but he's there. He's playing. He's on the team. He's getting minutes. Um, he's making a contribution. Um, so, yeah, I think Chet's just another line of of great Minnesota high school basketball players is going to get drafted high, and he's got to get, get to a team where – He's, he can figure it out and be able to have space. Like he's not a back to the basket kid.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't think he can be the number one guy. I don't think he's ever going to be the best player on a good team. I think that's unfair to him. I think he needs a wingman, kind of like he had with Suggs at Minnehaha Academy. Those two are unstoppable. Um, one, too punch. It's really hard to project how someone like like unless he puts on body
2: change. weight like uh, Giannis, if he can put on body weight like Antetokounmpo, <laughs> and all of a sudden he comes out ripped up like, like Vin Diesel in, in Fast and Fierce or something or The Rock. Um, but I don't I don't feel like he's a weight room warrior. Like a lot of milkshakes,
1: like, a lot of protein shakes for Chet. Shakes, That's gonna be the regimen. Baked
2: potatoes. He's got a you know he's got a pile on the 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 baked chicken. Like, he's got to eat a lot and lift a lot, do curls in the car, driving to the facility. I just, I don't know if he could do it. But, again, we didn't know if Giannis could do it, and all of a sudden, look at his body. So, uh, when you get money, when you become a millionaire, never. I mean, LeBron was bald, and now he has hair. So, you never know what millions can do for you. The Twins
1: scored four
2: total runs
1: in their series against Kansas City. They won one, lost two. Um, And as a team, Ron, they are batting. 202 this season that's Mm -hmm. 27th in the league where have the bats gone this was supposed to be an offensive team
2: yeah um chemistry i'd say i guess when buxton was in there it seemed great because they had the back-to-back bomb brothers um you just don't have that same energy like they put up big numbers against the red Sox and then nothing um that that's kind of i don't know maybe this is the team maybe they're like the stock market they're gonna be you know you gotta buy low sell high like you gotta take them, and if you're gonna go with betonline.net, bet when you can in their downtime. Like right now is a perfect time to start hedging some bets, figuring out when when some good games are coming, and then when you feel it, because this is like a slot machine. You gotta you gotta feel that tingle, that Peter tingle, <laughs> Spider Man. You gotta feel it when you feel it, pull that, make that bet because that's gonna be the game where nobody's gonna you know pick them to win like the Red Sox they're going to give you great odds you could put down a 100 to 200 dollar bet and make some good odds and a good return on your investment um and then once they get hot just back off cuz they're going to come right back down to earth back off um but this is probably the team we're looking at they're going to be up and down I talked about that with Lavelle 10 wins they need to get 6 out of 4 and they're not heading in that pace so Let's get through these next 10, and then we'll start at the 20-game at the mark, and then we'll start counting from there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these in bunches of 10s and see what their 10-game record is every 10 games, and then we'll kind of go from there. But that's, that's my thought right now on the Twins. I just I – don't, I don't know. It's chemistry. Like, it guys feed off of each other. It's like three-point shooters with Jordan Poole. Steph Curry coming off the bench is probably the greatest weapon in the history of bench players, in the history of everness of bench players i mean james harden coming off the bench for okc not even close to what steph curry gives him off the bench it's chemistry and so unless buxton's gonna you know uh uh, paul pierce that thing and and come out you know after leaving off in a wheelchair come back out and hit four home runs in a game or something or the next series hit four home runs to give them a lift and say hey i'm back like michael jordan when he came out of retirement i don't know what it's going to take but they they have to get some energy and some You know, some, 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 and maybe it's the weather here too. I mean, this is a tough town right now. It's rainy, it's cold. Like, how, like in Tampa and in Florida, like they're feeling good right now out there getting ready for some baseball. Uh, Minnesota, California, you know, Texas, Minnesota. Like, this is tough to wake up right now and go out and play some baseball and get like mentally dialed in. Like, okay, we're going to go indoors. But uh, look, I mean, I got out my car and I'm freezing cold. That's a tough one.
1: Yeah, you almost get a free pass for whatever happens in April, I think, in in the major leagues, because it is so erratic. You've got games getting delayed and postponed. There's a lot of rain. You're wearing long sleeves. It's just harder to do baseball things. Um, So I like that point. Bonus question. Wild and Blues are still neck and neck for home ice advantage. They're tied in the standings. The Wild Mm -hmm. have one additional game in hand. But on a scale of one to ten, how important is it going to be for the Wild to clinch that home
2: ice? Yeah, so you look at the Kraken. I think that's going to be they have to win these games they're supposed to win. They can't have a night and and I I I'm not going to be Nasha Damas on this one, but I hope you know when I get up Saturday morning, it's not one of those. Wild Twitter is absolutely pissed off like because even though they're in the playoffs, but pissed off because the Wild couldn't, you know, couldn't do what they're supposed to do. Again, momentum. We know they can score in bunches. I've seen them down 4 to 1 and they made a huge push to come back. Uh I think it was against the Blues and they end up losing but down 4-1 came back. So that's the key. Never get like JT bought up with the Kraken. The Kraken have to come out and be on time. Get out there early Be on time with all everything they're doing, not score early, but just be on time, be in the moment, be in the game at every point of it. Because we know when you're changing lines, if you're not in the game mentally and you're taking your time to get off the ice, next guy's taking his time to get on the ice, and it's a lazy, you know, switch out line change. That's how breakaways happen because the other team is paying attention to that. They're gassed, they're tired, the coach is preparing. Like, look at him. He's bending over. He's not really serious right now about challenging you. So, you know, a change is coming. The minute you see it, go push it up the course, like a fast break in the NBA. That's how I kind of look at it. Push it. As soon as you see him killing over and he's tired and you know he's about to make a line change, get ready to go, muster up that energy. Um, but that's where I, I see this. Like, they have to be able to continue to win the games they're supposed to win. And then those close ones right now, they're again, overtime, they have a chance. So, you know, you know, they're one of the best overtime teams right now, but they have to do that. Also, for the goaltenders, like it, they have to show who's going to be the guy. I think JT brought that up. You have a short leash because you have two. You you had a different thought on that, that you need to give them a long leash and not feel like at the minute I make a mistake, I'm going to get yanked. Um, but, hey, everybody, that's his coaching hat. So everybody has their own thoughts on what to do with these goaltenders. Um, but it's an embarrassment of riches. Like some teams don't have one that they feel like is great in the in the, the wild have two they could use to start the playoffs um, but that's my thought i think to clinch home ice they have to win these early ones really lean on guys use their weight get heavy with them you know push them uh be a bully at points you know don't end up in the box though but still be a bully out there on the ice um i think that's gonna be the key
1: yeah i think it's eight out of ten i, I think if there's a game seven against the blues. You want that at XL Energy Center where mm-hmm. they have an absurdly good record. I think they're eleven oh and one in their last twelve at home. So you yeah. I mean,
2: like that. we were saying at yeah, home ice, you gave me those stats. Twenty-eight, seven, and two for the wild, twenty-six, nine, and five. So both are good at home. So yeah, you you definitely want that home ice. because uh, you know, twenty-eight wins at home compared to seven losses, that's a big deal. And that's no travel. Like having to travel on a game seven is hard. Uh people act like because you're, you know, at a million dollar sport, a billion dollar owner, Um, that it's an easy process to get on a plane and go. It is easy, but it's still taxing. You're still tired. You're still sitting up in the air. You still have swell, you know, because if you just had an injury or your ankles are sore, that flight could, you know, create swelling in your knees and your joints. And that's when you see guys are scratched. You know, they're not skating in pre-skate. And then all of a sudden, oh, so-and-so's not going. He can't get the swelling out of his knee because he banged into the deal and then he flew and the inflammation, we just can't get it under control there's little things like that that happen all the time uh that's why you know basketball that's why we were hoping the timberwolves could have won game three and four so that they can close it out at home in six because now if you lose this next one and you go back it's probably over in memphis in five like it's probably grizzlies in five but yeah for the wild you you want home ice well that'll do it for the ron johnson show i'm your host ron johnson that's sam extra we want to thank you for joining us Please go back and watch all the shows this week. We have some great guests, some great content. We have some new segments added. Please subscribe on YouTube. Also, you can download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you and have a great day.